Welcome to the Blue Mound United Methodist Church podcast. My name is Pastor Jacob, and we are in the process of launching our digital ministry. Uh, We want you to subscribe and to provide feedback as we work towards doing this better. Our goal is to enrich your faith beyond our walls through sermons, interviews, and Bible studies. We hope that you'll be patient with us and offer us a little grace as we work out the kinks in the recording process. Today's our last part of our sermon series about the Methodist Church vow that we are using for our stewardship emphasis this year, what it means to witness to faith. We hope you'll enjoy today's message. Please remain standing for our gospel reading today, which comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 4 through 9. Hear now the word of the Lord. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that can do nothing more. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. But even the hairs on your head are all counted. Do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the Holy Scripture. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that your word does not return void. We give you thanks for the faithful example of how to live our faith that has come from the early ages, from Jesus and his followers exactly through the early church and and the church all the way to today. We give you thanks that you are still at work in our midst making all things new, including us. And so let us be transformed this morning in a way that bears witness to your love in this world. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Upholding the church with witness. Now, i got to tell you, this is the most recent uh, of the words that have been added to the the membership vow of the United Methodist Church. Uh, And many of you probably joined the Methodist Church before uh, this word was added. And I used to think that this was not really that big of a deal. It's just... um, it's just the story of your life. But, but I actually have had people tell me, more than one person tell me, you know, I'm good with the other stuff. I'm not going to do that one. And it always confused me. Like, what do you mean you're not going to witness? Like, like what? Like, and it, it only occurred to me very recently um, the, the word witness has, it's, it's a loaded word in, in Christian faith. If you don't believe me, here's an example. There are preachers in, uh, in some traditions that, that will make a, a, a tweetable point, right? They'll say, like, um, well, I, I should have came prepared with a tweetable point. 
That was a joke, y'all. That was a joke. Uh, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, right? And, and then if the congregation was quiet after making uh, a very obviously true statement like that, if the congregation was quiet, they might say, can I get a witness? You ever heard that? Yeah, maybe not in this church, but there are, there are traditions where the preacher might say something like, can I get a witness? And what they're asking for is somebody to say, amen, right? <laughs> there we go. And you know, amen, uh, it sounds like a really churchy word, and really all it means is, I agree. The modern day version of that with the, with the millennials and the Gen Zs, if you go to one of those like skinny jeans churches where the pastor's wearing skinny jeans up at the front, uh, the modern day version of that is saying the word wow. <laughs> there you go. And so, so say the pastor makes uh, a really, um, a point that really hits home. Like, God has answered prayers in your life this week. Somebody might say, wow. Wow. Maybe we'll figure it out. And so that is a version of what it means to bear witness, to, to proclaim in, in verbal response to a sermon. And some of you will never do that, and I understand, and that's okay. You don't have to. That's not what we mean when we say we're going to uphold the church with our witness. That's not the Methodist understanding of, of witness. It is a understanding of witness, and if, if you ever want to agree with a point that is said during a sermon, you are allowed to. Did you know that? Okay, a couple of you knew that. Uh, all right. The other version of witness that is sometimes understood in the Christian tradition is uh, in revivalist styles of worship, there would be opportunities for somebody to come forward from the congregation and share a word today. Has anybody ever heard of churches that do that? The, a testimony, maybe. Where I'm, I, I got, I've been praying for this, and i got to tell you how God has come through for me. I'm going I'm to... I'm going to share my witness with you, right? And that happens as, as like a testimony during a church service, right? That's another understanding of what it means to witness. And I understand that there's some people that will never voluntarily public speak, right? And so you might say, well, I'm never going to witness because I'm never going to come to the front and... and and do that. Well, I've got good news for you. That's not quite what we mean either. Now, yes, if God's done something for you and you really want to hear that, then talk to me and we'll see if we can work out an opportunity for you to do that. But that's not required to uphold the church with your witness. There's another version uh, in Christian uh, history of, uh, in even modern Christian history of what it means to witness our Christian faith. Have you ever been walking around downtown and somebody approaches you and hands you a piece of paper and, 
and says, I want to tell you about, uh, about what God did for me this week? Does that happen to anybody? I mean, there people do it on the square fairly regularly. Denton's kind of interesting in that way. We've got a very f- small percentage of the population in Denton that actually goes to church, but we got, we got uh, some activity uh, of people that will, that will go out they'll, and they'll hand you something. They'll proactively try and tell you uh, unsolicited, uh, without relationship, just r- approaching random people. It's almost like cold calling, but on the street. They'll, they'll try and witness to you. Right? Now, I'd also understand if you didn't want to do that. If you do want to do that, come talk to me. We'll find ways that you can, you can share God's love. Whatever way that God inspires you to want to share what God's done in your life, those can be good things. But that's not what's required when we make a vow to uphold the church with our witness. What is required? Anyone who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God, but whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. To bear witness, to uphold the church with our witness, means to not deny God. There's extreme examples of that, and then there's everyday examples of that. I'm going to start with extreme examples, and sometimes uh, throughout uh, teaching methods and, and throughout the history of the church, one of the ways that we teach is by, by teaching uh, the uh, obviously opposite. Is anybody with me this morning? Okay. Uh, well, that's all right. So I, I'll, I'll try and uh, bring this along by teaching something that's obviously the opposite. One of the ways that I helped teach my kids the Lord's Prayer um, is um, we'd get to deliver us from evil. And I would say, deliver us some pizza. And they'd go, no, that's not right. And I said, well, what is it? And they'd be able to say it when a few minutes before they said they couldn't remember. Sometimes when we say something that is obviously the opposite, it helps reinforce that which we already believe. So here's an example. My very first paper in seminary uh, was written about uh, martyrs, uh, Perpetua and Felicitas specifically. Um, And and this... uh, This martyr story has this famous line in it that a water pot by any other name, uh, or a water pot cannot be called by any other name. And and this this woman was a young mother. She had had just had a kid when she gets uh, kind of imprisoned by the Roman Empire. And they want her to say that she is not a Christian. They give her opportunity after opportunity to say that she is not a follower of Christ. To say Caesar is Lord and not Jesus is Lord. 
And her response is, a water pot by any other name. She's saying, I can't call myself something that I'm not. I am a Christian. So even though it will cost me my life to say that I'm a Christian, I can't call myself anything else. Or I won't be a Christian anymore. My first paper in seminary, I wrote that she should have denounced her faith. I was arguing a point I didn't agree with, just in case you were wondering. But think about it. Think about, think about the world we live in. Think about what we teach about the conveniences of faith. Think about how much of what we're taught uh, either on TV or, or in Sunday school classes or, or even sometimes from pulpits is, is this convenient, like, let's put a bow on it, faith. Some people call it moral therapeutic deism. Right? It helps you be a more moral person. It helps you feel better and acknowledges some sort of God is involved. And that's about it. And so, it'd be really difficult to say, yeah, you should, um, you should not denounce your faith, even though it means that you'll be killed and your, your husband and your new child will be left without you. So in the paper, I argue that she should denounce her faith temporarily, and let herself be freed, and that she could do more for building the kingdom of God after they release her. That she should just that she should just ask for forgiveness afterwards. I'm going to do this thing that I know I shouldn't do, so I can just ask for forgiveness afterwards. I hope that I'm not the only one that understands the absurdity of this thought, but also how common this thought is in our daily walking with Christ. Every single week in our lives, there will be an instance where we know the right thing to do, and we know the wrong thing to do, and we will still choose the wrong thing. What does it mean to uphold the church with your witness? It means that as often as possible for you, choose the right thing. Be a living example of what it means to follow Jesus. Be a living example of what it means to follow Jesus. Now here's a really difficult scenario. I, a friend of mine uh, from college, uh, was present at the Wedgwood Baptist uh, Church shooting um, that happened in Fort Worth all, all those years ago. She survived. Obviously, otherwise we wouldn't have been able to be friends. As tragic of a situation and scenario as that was, what stopped that shooting, what ended that shooting, 
Now remember, the doors had been barred so responders couldn't get in. And it was this, this guy, he had, a, he had enough uh, munitions to, to take everyone's life. And at some point in the midst of the chaos, a young man stands up. And he says, if you shoot, something along the lines of, if you shoot me, I know where I'm going. Do you? That is a witness of Christian faith. What, what that martyr did in the early church is a witness of Christian faith. In this passage it says, don't fear those that can destroy your body, but can have no power over your soul. We live in a country where we're likely not going to be asked our lives for our faith. But our faith will regularly ask us to do different things in our lives. That's where, like, a millennial might say, wow. Right? Our faith will often ask us to do something different with our lives. Like, I might... I might typically... have a, a Sunday afternoon ritual that involves a grill and a Cowboys game. But then all of a sudden, God may ask, will you, will you drive a bus around to pick up a bunch of kids to go to church? Well, I could choose the Cowboy game or I could choose to drive around and pick up kids. Can I just tell you, for some of us, that sounds like an absurd uh, choice. Some of us, that sounds like a really difficult choice. And let's acknowledge that not all of us are called to drive buses full of kids, all right? <laughs> I thought that would get some, right? We don't all, I, I've, oh, I, I could bear witness that, that there is a place uh, that I am not called to be, and that's a bus driver for, for middle school kids. Um, that, <laughs> please don't ask me to do that, God. <laughs> because that, that was one of the worst times in my life, is riding the bus in middle school. So that's the least place I would want to go back to. But the thing is, if God asks us to do something, will we do it? It if we feel that our faith is asking us to, to do something boldly, will we do it? It's one thing to be pro-life, and it's another thing to offer to adopt. Do you understand what I'm saying there? It's one thing to, to say nobody should have an abortion. It's a whole other thing to say, I am willing to provide and care for that child if you aren't. Right? Our faith might ask of us things that might not be our life, but they might be our whole life. Our faith might ask us to give up our retirement to volunteer for CASA. Our, our faith might ask us uh, to, to choose a different career path 
for the sake of uh, spreading the gospel. Our, our faith might cost us our savings. What it means to uphold the church with your witness is that the story of God's love in your life might be evident to others. That somebody might look at your life and say, hmm, I might want what this person has. I, I haven't, uh, I don't mean to brag here, and I try my best not to put myself in, uh, in central positions and sermon illustrations, but there was a young man uh, that, that I used to know that was um, a participant in a youth program, but he was the token atheist, right? He questioned everything. He, he, he said all the time that he, he just can't believe in God, and then he would start to name how he, uh, perceived this God that he didn't believe in. And time and time again, I just have to be like, you know, I don't believe in that God either. The God that keeps attendance and, and is just right there ready to put his thumb down on somebody. I don't believe in that God either. And, and I would tell him instead of the God that I believe in. Now, in, as a youth pastor, that kind of is a position of teaching. And so, and so that might be a little different than you might be asked to do. But eventually, on a mission trip, yeah, the token atheist went on a mission trip. He said, I want to go to a church that believes what you believe about God. Because he didn't think that the church he went to at the time did. And there was, this, there was this crying out from inside me that said, yes, you, you're already in a church that believes that about God. That's one of the most proud things uh, of when I came through the commissioning process uh, in the or the ordination process, one of the stages is commissioning, and that's when, that's when the church uh, examines your theology and how you understand, how you believe God, and say, yes, this lines up with what we agree as, as the church. That's, that's the commissioning stage. Because now I can genuinely say to that young man, the United Methodist Church is the church that believes what I believe about God. That God is there for you. Even in the lowest of lows in your life. God is there for you for, through the people that He's placed in your life. This young man said, uh, I stopped believing in God when, when somebody I knew was, was going to commit suicide. And God didn't do anything for him. But this person and this person and this person did. All of the people that he named were adults who were in the church, who, who were motivated to action because of their love for God. The God I believe in was there in that moment through those people. God can be there for somebody else in those difficult moments through you. Through a teenager that doesn't know where to turn. 
maybe a teenager that's hungry and doesn't have any food. Maybe a teenager that's been kicked out of his home and you open your doors. Not as a way of them escaping their family, but as that safety net that catches them from falling and helps them bounce back. God will work in this world through each and every one of us. Choosing the right thing one time and another time and again and again and again and again. And so that's how we uphold the church with our witness. The things people see of us. The things people see of you. Does your life draw people to want to fall in love with God? Because we have a world that is thirsty for it. I prayed uh, a lot recently that God would give me some tangible answers to prayer to just keep me motivated. And several times, literally four tangible examples in the last month, God's come through. God can come through for you, and God can come through through you. Uphold the church with your witness. Amen. Well, that's it for this episode of Blue Mound Methodist Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out in any way, please send us an email at office at bluemoundumc.org. We'd love to hear from you. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I want to challenge you to share this blessing with others by investing and inviting. If you know someone who has been blessed by this message, invite them to listen directly or by sharing on social media. Or, you can make an investment in this digital ministry by going to bluemoundumc.org give to help expand the reach of the gospel message. God bless.